Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 115 of Midweek Minigame. I'm Harry MTG, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Hi. And Gable Nassif. Hey, everyone. Well, 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 we're back. We're back. I think we've had a good few weeks of kind of not having the full trio on the cast, but, you know, things lined up this week and went really well, so we're all here today. I guess to give you guys an update, you know, I'm obviously a student at university and I had a meeting with the head of Master Parm yesterday talking about my dissertation. So now that that's kind of done, I should be back on track to be on the podcast. Pat, as always, you know, you have your work as well. So that's kind of why there's some inconsistencies. But, you know, this week we're here to talk about magic, not about our lives. We're going to be talking about the new spoilers. The Kamigawa uh, set is coming out soon. Obviously, the spoilers are being released break them down, see what we like, what we don't like, as well as always, Gav's been playing some modern, Pat's been playing some modern, I haven't actually played much modern, or even just magic in general, uh, as I've been working a lot, so, you know, I'll just be here listening, trying to ask questions maybe if I'm lucky, and then obviously, towards the end of the episode, Gav's been playing some arena, some historic formats, and wants to talk about that for a bit, but before we get into all the magic stuff, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Card Market, for those who don't know what that website is, it's the best place online to buy anything Magic the Gathering related, Singles, accessories, play mats, deck boxes, everything. Go check them out. You can sell on there as well. They're really great. Cardmarker.com, cardmarker.eu. Check them out. As well as we should always thank the Patreons for supporting us as well. If you personally would like to support the podcast, best place to do so is at patreon.com slash midweek metagame. No pressure to do so. That's the best place to support us. As well as, <sighs> why don't we chill out? Can you leave us a review if you're listening on iTunes or whatever? Hook, 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 hook your brothers up. You know, we're here back this week as the trio. We'd appreciate it. If you want to give us five star, go ahead. One star, we don't mind. Just feedback is greatly appreciated. Or you can tweet at us, whatever, as we're always trying to improve our content. But take the spotlight off me. Gab, you were telling me before the podcast started, you played the Modern Challenges this weekend. Why don't you get into that? Yeah, played both challenges. It was four color blank. I know last week I put my life on the line with the Glimpse deck. But I think what happened is I maybe played an extra league and it still felt maybe a little less good than I thought. I kept running into consistency issues and decided it was maybe not just bedlock, you know. And I was impressed with the four-color blink deck when I played last time, played again. It was great. I was not so great. I uh, went four and three on Saturday Got paired against Titan twice, which is a tough matchup. Lost another one to, I think, some mistakes or some bad draws. I also decided to copy Canister's list with the Ragavans in the main deck, as well as two copies of Memory Deluge. I figured, you know, he's been playing the deck for so long. He plays a ton of modern, and I should just trust him and play his updated version. Unfortunately for me, I decided to cut the two Ash Shocks. Dream Render from the sideboard, got paired twice against Titan. Who knows me, that card would have helped me out. No way of knowing. Yeah, should have played around it. And then on Sunday, I went 5-2, and two, and my two losses were... One was a horrendous slash totally comical mistake. I was down the game against Grixis Shadow, and basically what happened is they cast Culligan's Command on their turn when I had no cards in hand. And I was like... Hmm. Why didn't they just cast it in my draw step? They used the second mode to deal two damage and the first mode to get back a Death Shadow. And I literally could not figure out why they played that way. So I assumed they must have a removal spell. 
And I just missed the fact that they had to play it on their turn because they were bringing back Death Shadow, so they couldn't play my draw step. So that ended up costing me the game because I didn't dash Ragavan. I assumed they had to remove all in spell. Oh, also they had bubbled me. So they knew I was drawing Ragavan, which was lethal. So I was like, well, if they're not saving their Culligan's command to get rid of my Ragavan, then they have an answer to it. They're trying to bait me, but no, they just had to bring back Death Shadow. So that was, I don't know, sometimes my brain does was... that kind of stuff. It was spectacular to watch. That was one of the only matches I watched, and it cost me my mod status in the stream for making fun of you afterwards. It was just a, a, yeah. a, a catastrophe of overthinking, I think. Yeah, I, I was not happy. And then the second loss was me timing out to white-black hammer time. I had actually lethal on board. I had an attack and lightning helix, and I was just a little too slow, you know, good old pitfall. But I was... Super impressed with the deck. Just last last time, it feels super good. I didn't get paired against Titan on on Sunday. I did. I did bring back in. You know, I think I had a Nash Shock and a Dress Down in the sideboard, maybe something like that. I had a few extra cards for Titan. I did not go with too many explosives. I'm not a fan of that card, but in hindsight, I think it's probably a mistake. Canister has free in his sideboard, and. It's not super flashy. I don't love it, but I guess it's just one of the best cards against Rhinos, which is a tough matchup that can easily out-tempo you with Ice on your land, easily resolve a Rhino, and then you're behind and stuff to come back. They're good at playing that instant speed too. They have Dispute and Subtleties, and maybe even Endurance can be annoying sometimes. So Explosives make sense. Also, the one I drew the one against Hammer Time, it was really good. It doesn't always line up perfectly against Hammer Time, and Dressdown is also pretty good there. But yeah, maybe I need to get over it. Explosive. I've also had good experience in the past in Omnath decks with explosives because it lets you do pretty cool things. Engine of Explosives like, has been a very unimpressive but super powerful card for you know, almost 20 years now. It, it never like jumps off the page of you. It's like, this is amazing. But you know, it just does some of these different things so flexibly. Three is definitely a number where it's kind of encouraging the kind of like, do I really want to be drawing two copies of this card in like my first like couple of turns territory? But not a card I would ever underestimate, I guess. Yeah. No, I think it's especially good right now in in modern. I'm not sure if it's ever been this good in, in any formats. No, I don't I can't remember it ever being such a kind of crucial part of the cycle plans for so many different decks. I mean, there's been decks that play engine and explosives and it's been good. You know, I'm thinking about to like KCI and stuff like that. You know, it both doubles the zero value artifact, but also played a important role of clearing out things like your relic of regenerative or or whatnot that you're facing. But here, it's just kind of so many decks have access to some number of engineered explosives because so many more decks are just playing to the board as well with cheap permanents, and decks have access to lots of different colors of mana as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we go over the results of the Sunday challenge, maybe? Can I just ask a couple of questions about the, the list of canisters and oh yeah, you, sure. You, you played, so you call it full color blink, but what's actually blinking in it these days? Do you have any? Still have a fem rates? So, your I guess your blink because of Urion. You could call it four color Urion or four color blink. But no, no witness, no ephemerate. Yeah. Canister calls it four color, no bad cards or only good cards or good cards. Yeah, or money pile or whatever. Okay. All right. So yeah. this is like, it's like Ragavans and counter spells and Ren and Sixes and every expensive card from Modern Horizons to except for Urza Saga. Yeah. I think I basically got three witness, two ephemerate, and a land. That's six cards for four Ragavans and two Memory Deluge. 
Right. And Ragavan was very good against, very good for me. It was really bad against Titan because my opponent had Grazer almost every time turn one. Yeah, Grazer's a pretty good response to it. Yeah. Other than that, it was extremely good. Even when it dies right away, it puts pressure on your opponent, forces them to deal with it. So typically, it's really good if you're on the play. If you go turn one Ragavan, they have to deal with it. And then you go turn to Ren, you know, for instance, against a Grixis deck. They have to kill it, meaning they can't cast their discard spell on turn one, and you're free to resolve uh, a Ren and six. It's also pretty good at dashing the, the card. You have a lot of mana with the deck, so later in the game, pretty good at dashing. Decent with Teferi. We, we've seen these, these cards play well together in the past. It's a red card that you can pitch to Fury. So, yeah, overall, pretty solid. Even against something like Hammer Time, you know, it, maybe maybe you get to to trade for them to trade for an Esper Sentinel. Even if you trade for a Memnite, it's not the end of the world. So, good card. And then obviously you get the the free wins once once in a while. Even though people are super ready, and that doesn't happen very often. Is it the sort of card that you're boarding out a lot, or, or does it? Does it stay in, stay in the deck almost all the time? I wasn't boarding it out a ton. I was probably supposed to board it out against Titan, but maybe on the play, you, you try and get lucky and keep them. Probably against Titan, is even if you hit once or twice, you're probably not hitting anything that you really need. First of all, they just have a ton of lands, and then a lot of their cards are not that great or you can't cast, so mm. okay. probably not great. And then on the draw... You're probably supposed to board it out a little more, and I was doing that, but just having a turn one play is important, even against something that's you know, typically hammer time or shadow, just having something they have to interact with on turn one is important. I really feel like it's just a powerful kind of fork, fork card in a deck like that, where you really put them in an awkward position where how they sideboard against you if they know you have ragged lines, where it's like a, normally a kind of like mid-range play to the board, tap out, start control deck, wouldn't have access to something like that. So you can, you, you would cut your removal spells and play, play more kind of interaction that interacts nicely with like expensive sources. But then there's just four copies of this card that really just hamstring your opponent and, and provide a must, must answer. I'm surprised to see you argue that you were on the board and out against Titan. I, I feel like that match is probably bad enough that you should just be leaning on trying to, trying to dismise them with it. Because the mana advantage at least lets you keep pace a little bit better, and maybe develop while holding up a counter spell or something like that. And you're yeah, well, supposed to take your chances. You have a few cards to bring in, and none of your cards are super spectacular, but they're all pretty decent. So it's it's not not super easy. I wasn't too sure what to cut. Maybe I ended up, you know. Also, when you leave in Ragavan, then you feel like you have to leave in Lightning Bolt, which is Okay-ish, Lightning Bolt, press Trend in 6, kills a Dryad. I certainly wouldn't feel compelled to leave in, leave in Lightning Bolt, but I understand the I understand the thinking. I think I would just kind of take my flip against Razor. Yeah, I don't know. Sam, sample size-wise or, you know, in practice, I wish I'd not had Ragavan. They just had Grazer every time, and Ragavan yeah, did pretty much nothing. Yeah, okay, I totally, totally understand. And so you, you pitch creatures are just Solitudes and Furies at this point, right? Yeah, four solitudes, two furies in the main. I was playing endurance in the sideboard because I really love that card. I feel like it's flexible. I feel like it's a card that gets much better after sideboard. 
even in matchups where it's not just you know a blowout. It gets better after a sideboard against people who bring in dispute against you, for instance. Being able to play really anything at instant speed becomes more valuable. Canister, I believe, had two relics to Ash Shucks for Graveyard Hate. Um, so it's tough. There's there's a few cards you, you want to play. The, the Burn matchup, which is popular, is not super easy. I had a couple Lightning Helix in my sideboard, which Canister didn't have there. Somewhat narrow, but you, you do bring it in other matchups. I think I was maybe even bringing them in against something like Death Shadow, just an extra instant speech removal, and Lurus Answer, Ragavan Answer, etc. Um, I'm surprised yeah. that there's not even one ephemerate because when I played this deck in the past, I think I was only playing like one or two, and anytime I had it in my hand in this deck, it always felt great because of the pitch creatures and all the creatures you cast draw a card. Okay, Ragavan, maybe not, but. I've personally loved it, especially with Four to Fairy Time Raveler. Is it, you know, I guess after the event, do you want to kind of go towards that, you know, back to that deck building strategy, or do you actually like this list? I don't remember. I feel like Witness and Ephemerate was pretty decent, mm -hmm. but I'm assuming Cancer just valued the consistency. Just mm -hmm. have all your cards be proactive rather than Ephemerate that's powerful, but all situational. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I, yeah, I, I, I think that makes sense to be honest. But yeah, I personally just, I, I guess I just love the value of ephemerate too much. Yeah, there's, you know, the, some decks are pretty fast, so you need all your cards to do something right away, and ephemerate and witness don't really do that. You also have discard decks that can kind of maybe pick you apart and make your ephemerate all awkward. So. Uh, I can see why uh, Ephemerate got cut. There's also, you know, Teferi Time Raveler. That's pretty wildly played card. How is that deck? How is this deck overall against the deck of Death Shadow? I think a couple of weeks ago we were talking about these Shadow, Shadow being pretty good against these four color pile decks. But given this is trying to trim down all the situational cards, is this, is it still a tough matchup, or is it say tilting more in the in the, the four color deck favor? I think it's probably slightly four color favored. I was losing to Grixis Shadow when I was playing the 60-card version. I think getting the extra Yorion makes a huge difference. Abundant Growth is so good, so, so good. It just fixes all your problem instantly, gives you kind of Blood Moon insurance, super good. So yeah. It's really funny that that card's been such a sleeper for so long that it just took Arc of Astrolabe to kind of come into the format and then leave it again for us to get excited about. Um, yeah. Excited about Abundant Growth, finally. Yeah, I was half joking. You get to play banned cards in your deck. You know, it's basically basically Astrolabe. Almost, I don't know about better, but yeah, it's it's really good. You also get Ice Fang, which I believe was not in the sixty card version. That card's pretty decent against um, Death Shadow. So yeah, much yeah, much, much better. Yeah, so yeah. so improved, improved overall. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. The Yorion makes a huge difference. I was struggling to. To win the late game against these Lurus decks was the 60 card version. I just didn't have enough value. I guess a two Mary Deluge too. They're a little slow. You don't always have time to 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 flash it back, especially, but that gives you the just such a such a huge boost in the late game too. The modern challenge? Yeah, yep. modern challenge. One by blue white. I was surprised. I feel like blue white's just so 
mediocre. Hmm. Um, it was Ziu Rio, which is who's um, just a reg who, who who does who does well in challenges. Uh, very often, I think probably multiple challenges win at this point, and he was playing pretty stuck uh, blue white control list. Two dress down in the main, two fire ice, and I guess what wasn't stock was uh, the sideboard free Ragavan in the sideboard, as well as one Blood Moon. Mm -hmm. That is a spicy one. I didn't even notice that. So just leaning on that tiny red splash for just fire ice in the main, and then just supplementing it with a little bit of gotcha value with Ragavan and Blood Moon in the board. It's nice. Yeah, I feel that's pretty strong when you're when you're not streaming, when you're not playing with open deck list. You're you're probably gonna get people. Uh, what was Ragavan? It makes makes a ton of sense. Yeah, definitely. This is like probably not only good for this week, I guess. Yeah, I also really like Trez down in the main deck. That card's just so good in modern. Still like explosives. Mm -hmm. This is it's definitely a card like explosives that I haven't quite figured out why it's so good. There's like an extra copy in the sideboard of the Death Shadow deck I've been playing, and I just can't figure out when I'm supposed to bring it in. So I just cut it because it's too hard for me to figure out. I mean, the easy one is any Urza Saga deck. Yeah, but then right. I have like, like, what are my Alpine Moons for? Like, what is my Engineered Explosives for? <laughs> I have all yeah. these cards that are good against just as a Saga. But, but even against, you know, you're playing against Four Color Bling, they play an Omnath, you play your Dressdown, you didn't counter it, counter it, but kind of a big deal. Yeah, the uh, doesn't really matter. Yeah. yeah, it cycles. You can maybe combo with the Fairy Time Reveler. It's just another card you can bounce, even though the timing might be a little off but yeah just uh you know just really versatile card right now in in modern it it gives you answers to something like titan plus cavern of souls just yeah it, it's value against titan is is pretty pretty evident i have in the leagues i've been playing this week with shadow i've casted against titan a lot that's one matchup where i realized i should probably bring it in and, and figure that bit out but, you also don't really have a choice, honestly. Or else you just lose to Urza Saga. You have Spreading Seas, but if you don't draw Spreading Seas for your Sagas, it's kind of like extra copies of Spreading Seas, but does something a little different, gives you that versatility. Uh, I, I just love it, honestly. I'm almost surprised not to see more in the sideboards. Actually, a reason, reasonable comparison and comparing it to Spreading Seas, like rather than playing the fourth Spreading Seas, you'll just play two copies of Dressdown because it's it does the same job against Saga, and then it has a little bit more peripheral value elsewhere. Yeah. You also don't always want to tap out for spreading seeds. There are definitely spots where you can be awkward to tap out for spreading seeds, even on turn two. And I mean, it's not nothing new, right? Instant speed value uh, is huge in uh, in a control deck. Yeah. I mean, I, I like this deck as kind of become the default kind of eight counter spell deck. and. It looks like a really like an old traditional blue white deck on paper, not traditional in the kind of modern sense, but like even in just magic historical sense, just all these counter spells, instant speed stuff, solitudes, and then yeah, I, I, it's it's an aesthetically nice deck. I, I really like it. It's giving up the little prison elements of the channels of the voids. Yeah, I'm happy to see this deck do well, and I really like the sideboard deck. Yeah, one rest of the. Oh, sorry. Guys. No, I was just gonna say one thing that's interesting is he's gone for no hall of the uh, hall of the storm giants, just two colonnades. I I personally have really liked the one one split. So I'd, maybe he's focusing on having better mana or something, but pff, that's surprising to me. Yeah, I agree. We've talked about it before. I felt like anytime I played blue white, 
it's been so good for me to have one of each. I felt like I had the right one at the right time or when you have both in play, you get the, the option. It's something we've talked about before, just the value of one of the values of the one ofs is when you draw both, you have both options instead of just one option. Yeah, definitely. And I'm also surprised about Chalice the Void, to be honest, because with so much Death Shadow, I feel like there's so much main deck Coligan's Command, as well as like the Jun deck. Sometimes they have Coligan's Command in the main. I'm I'm very interested in what they're specifically tackling. I guess, to be honest, like Chalice of the Void on one will be good against Death Shadow no matter what turn. So maybe he's just trying to hold up Counterspell as well, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, lots of Cascade decks still in, oh, yeah, true. in the meta. You need yeah. a... The last couple of weeks, Cascades done really well as well. Yeah. You need something a little unfair when you're playing Blue-Eyed. And mm -hmm. I guess Dress Down, Spreading Seas, and Chalice are quote-unquote your unfair cards because that's how you can cheese people or get a huge edge in some matchups. We see the really respected Cascade have two Fluster Storm in the sideboard. I'm not the biggest fan of that card, but, you know, uh, with Chalice, I, I guess it, it can make sense or just... It's like a slightly better spell pierce against Cascade. The, the one mana does does make the difference. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's definitely uh, conscious deck building choices against Cascade. Being yeah. Really made against Cascade with this deck. Yeah, they kind of have it all. They have two vetoes, two fluster storm, two disputes. So, uh, yeah, no, it's I, I was surprised to see to see blue white win, but I do feel like the list is. As far as blue white goes, at least it's really on point. Except for maybe yeah, the the, the second colonnade over first hall that's made a one 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 card choice. I'm not a fan of. Yeah. Well, I mean, looking at second place though, I think there's not much to highlight on how it is hammer time. But I want to say that look at that one of ginger brute in the main. I think I've been kind of saying how much I really like that tech over the past few weeks. I think people have been missing out on it. Well, uh, I'll take I'll take my pride. One ginger brew in the main and second place in hammer time, which I think is sick. I think people don't value how powerful it is that you can pay one so that it can't be blocked except by creatures with haste. I think it's basically unblockable, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's there's only a few haste like creatures with incidental haste in the format that can block it when when you activate that. So, you know, I really do. I really, really do like ginger brew, and I think uh, it, it's it's honestly it should be a staple in the deck, in my opinion. After watching, I just, want to shout out, I just want to shout out the pilot here, Kate. Uh, she's from my hometown, Perth, West Australia. Oh, sick! Really, really good player. Played yeah, played a PTO two in her time. She, she tweeted about her result, and I think she gave uh, a lot of credit to the one coming out of the false hope in the sideboard. Yeah, I was I was going to ask if Harry wants to take credit for the coming of the false hope too, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's not even an artifact. How do you, you can get it you get it back with Lurus, I guess. Just Miser's one of just yeah, hope just you draw it. Just hope you draw it. Exactly. Prevent all combat damage. So it's what for the like mirror match? Probably just lights out in the mirror oh, match. Oh Death right? Shadow as well. I guess I mean, yeah. any creature that's yeah, really yeah, but... true. Yeah. I don't think I would bring it in against Shadow, but I like it in the matchups where like if you stick Lurus, it doesn't die. Mm -hmm. And so you just you, you just set up fog lock against <laughs> against X in the mirror. It's pretty funny. But yeah, shout out, shout out to Kate for doing well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, rest of the top eight, John Sagavan, 
Dredge, Blue Red Merc, Tideless Fury, Hoop Soul Spells, uh, Black White Stoneforge, Laugh and back at it, just crushing again. And yeah, just. I feel like we've seen a whole bunch more Oopsell spells over the last couple of weeks. Is that just me? Yeah, Oopsell spells, Charvulture. It's the, the Sodak, Sodak influence, I guess. I guess it's also like the, the influence of less Blue Red, Blue Red Merktide as a kind of top deck in the format as well. Yeah. I, I've definitely played that matchup a bunch, and I usually don't feel like I'm in a great spot against someone just casting a turn for Charvulture, honestly. Um, it's kind of dumb, but. There's not that many ways to, to get rid of it. And I was playing blue-white, and it was really hard for blue-white as well. Yeah, it's pretty strong with packed. You can just have, if you have a couple packs, it doesn't matter. You can back up your Charlotte with as many packs as you want because you just untap, upkeep, kill before you have to pay for the packs. So these draws are almost unbeatable for some decks, for most decks. Turn free Charlotte was like a pack or two back up. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty pretty unreal, really. Um, yeah, um, yeah, seven and eight were actually my two losses. Uh, Lapid Gen, Wild Black Shadow, Sokos, Grixit, Death Shadow, enjoy, the, enjoy the, the free wins in the Swiss. And then the one interesting deck was actually ninth place, and it was, I guess, reminiscent of something maybe Spike used to play was Oswald Fildeblender. Um, just kind of white red artifact trying to abuse Engineer, Fiddlebender. Uh, Stoneforge Mystic for kind of engine card advantage, and then you get to play the two amazing one drops, Ragavan as for Sentinel, and then the the kind of toolbox almost feels um a little reminiscent of uh, not card of calling the artifact um the bad artifact KCI Word of Invention no the the green one the pod just uh, you know oh, the birthing pod. pod. Yeah, you have your zero is the artifact lens. You have your one was chromatic star, barb spike on two, or you know, equal rail spring, and you just go up the curve. You've got you know, portable hole, super strong card right now. So that deck was pretty cool. I'm I'm really impressed with this. It definitely maybe read Oswald Fiddlebender to find out what it did. Yeah, oh. it's is it's it's a pod, right? It's a it's kind of like a birthing yeah. pod. It's an right? artifact pod, yeah. It has the uh, the ability magical tinkering. <laughs> yeah, I, I also really I'm a secret big fan of Goblin Engineer as well. I really like that card. Yeah, no, I I can see it. I've been playing a bit of Blue Eyed Affinity and Portable Holes. Really, really a strong strong card in the meta. Analysis gets out of hand, and you're just a an excellent Urza Saga deck with all these cheap artifacts. One thing I think is really quite strange about this day, or at least strange to from a surface level analysis from here from me, is there's no no engine no uh what's it called again? The bridge. Ensnaring bridge. No ensnaring bridge in this even in the 75. I guess it's the deck's trying to beat down and has to kill through damage, so maybe not so great. But I would have thought that the ability to at least tutor for it with Goblin Engineer or chain into it with Oswald Fiddlebender would mean that you will probably want access to it considering you can just get rid of it later on with either of those creatures' abilities. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, maybe there's a few specific matchups where you could use it. I know that Titan's probably tough for that kind of deck. I was struggling with Blue-Eyed Artifact against Titans. I'm not sure if this deck would be much better equipped. So yeah, maybe get that bridge. 
um, random from attack with Sidon by all time, but maybe it's yeah. all too gimmicky. And it, might, just... it, may, it may be a little too gimmicky and also just not very effective at all against Khan versions of the deck. Yeah, just kind of theory crap that actually never happens in practice. Or maybe just an oversight. You know, it's not like super um, intuitive to put Staring Bridge in your old creature deck. Oh, that's true. That's true. Can Urza's Saga fetch Portable Hole? No, it no. has to be one. You can't that's fetch Chalice of the Void. You can't fetch Portable Hole. It has to be literal, like, zero colorless oh, casting costs or one colorless cast. Got you. Yeah, I mean, any deck that can play Esper Sentinel and Ragavan in it seems pretty decent, as well as Stoneforge Mystic, right? You've got, like, three of the pretty heavy hitters on turn one or two in your deck, so this deck, you know, just, it, it does make sense. It is all muscular creatures, yeah. I guess, like, yeah, Sentinel, yeah, Sentinel Engineer, Fiddlebender, Ragavan, Stoneforge Mystic, all huge targets on their head. Ask a lot of your opponent. I can imagine keeping lots of hands that have, like, two muscular creatures. Mm-hmm. And just winning, winning against people who keep hands with one response. Yeah, it's weird, right? There's not that many decks in in modern that play these two creatures. I played against a version of Hammer Time recently that was playing Ragavan, and to to make Ragavan a little better, I think they also had Galvanic Blast in the main deck to try and clear it away. But maybe it was a little too wishy washy trying to do the Hammer thing, Hammer Time thing while having you know you're diluting your synergies and stuff, but. Just maybe more focused, aggressive Sentinel Ragavan, maybe a way to put counters on almost like maybe, you know, Luminarch Aspirant, maybe like Sentinel into Aspirant or Ragavan into Aspirant, give it that one extra toughness so it doesn't die to Ren and Six. Maybe play even Mutagenic Growth in your deck, something along these lines, like White Red Prowess. Mutagenic Growth. All right, that's, that's pretty deep. Upkeep, upkeep mutagenic growth my sentinel you gotta pay free more or else i draw a card you know i'm pretty sure you can because if they cast a spell right you can you think yeah if they cast a spell you can mutagenic growth into this yeah i almost i wonder if anyone does that in legacy do you know what bounty of the hunt does harry bounty of the hunt no what does it do I think it's called Bounty of the Hunt. It's basically the the green for- equivalent of Force of Will. It's from that uh, cycle of Force of Will, Pyrokinesis, etc. And it's, I think it's green and free, and you put free plus one plus one counters on spread like you want on your creatures. So I don't know why I just brought that up for no reason. Just as for Central Bounty of the Hunt, turn one. <laughs> Sorry, I just just random train of thought. The, the mind of Gabriel and the Seaf, I got you. But overall, I think this deck looks pretty good. I This is a, one of those decks that I personally would want to try. It looks like it plays fast, and uh, you have Gigantha as well, access to a companion. I think this deck makes a lot of sense to me. It's like the perfect yeah. content farming deck as well. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty focused too. It's, you're, you know, you're, there's not, all the one-ofs are still like, kind of working in the same direction, and... Yeah, looks 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 pretty pretty sweet. Anyways, I find it. So... Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say I find it so funny that there's actually a mill deck in the in the top sixteen because I feel like I never see mill, but I see everyone playing mill hate in the sideboard. Like first place, you got a Kozilek. Yeah. Like, do you I... guys actually see mill? Yeah, I've played against mill. You know, probably like. Five percent of the time, I would say, recently between leagues and challenges. So yeah, in a long no, time. No, no it's been a long time since I've played against Mill. 
it feels like it's been a long time for me since I played against Mel. Maybe I play once every five leagues or something like that. Not since I stopped playing Burktide have I played against Mel. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen this 11th place deck list by Trailovsky, but it's a pretty incredible like throwback deck. It's uh, it's John Death Shadow, but it's like Shadows, Swift Spears, Ragavan, Scourges, Skyclose, Soul Scar Mage. So it's like Prowess as well. And it has full form mutagenic growth, three become immense, three team of battle rage. Yeah. Looks full cool. Blown, full blown, like just combo death shadow. I feel like where I would draw the line is maybe become immense. I feel like you're pushing it a bit, trying to 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 cast that card in, in that kind of deck. I'd rather keep it maybe a little little tighter. But I do love mutagenic growth in in these decks. In I think it's really good in, in the prowess mono red deck, for instance. I think team or battle rage probably in an okay spot right now, you know. How often, like pretty much almost every game against Death Shadow, you're like, well, if randomly they're playing a one team old battle rage and they have it, I'm just dead there. Yeah, that's but, definitely right. I have found that my shadows when I'm playing Greeks of Shadow don't get big enough to really kind of ever warrant having a team of battle rage. But I definitely agree. There's been spots where I was like, yeah, well, I'll just block these things. And if they have battle rage, they have battle rage. And this yeah. deck definitely has battle rage. Yeah. And Scourge of the Skyclave is kind of a scary card. I know recently I've played against a card once or twice, and you're like, well, I don't think anything bad can happen. I think my hand's pretty good. I've got everything covered. And then you just play Scourge of the Skyclave, and you look at your hand, and you're like, well, call me that card in a million years, just GG. So uh, that's that's not a pretty cool one. An interesting trump in the kind of Shadow Mirror as well, where you just where it dodges does an holy heat pretty effectively. Yeah. A little surprised not to see Dragon Rage Chandler with four bubbles. You need this the, the delve or am I am I blind? Is it there? No, it's not. No, it's not there. They've gone for the um they've gone for Scourge and Soul Sky Mage and Swiss Spear instead. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely a, definitely a card that I would have if I was drafting a deck like this, like I was just gonna like write a draft list or something, I would start with with four Dragon Rage Chandler and win. It, it does get much card. worse. Yeah, you have Love and Art. It does get much worse without cantrips. It's not as impressive. You know, I know in Historic, there's red-black decks, and sure, you have like 12, 16 spells, but it's still not even that that amazing. So kind of makes It also doesn't hit as hard right away as some of the other cards. Yeah, this deck is definitely, much like the ninth place deck list, is very kind of like focused around one specific, specific thing. All this card's working in the same direction. Yeah. And your allure stick. It's always nice. That's pretty good. I'm, I presume that last week you would have talked a little bit about the bands with Spider Space, right? Yeah, yeah. We we, we talked about it. Or the lack thereof. The lack thereof. Yeah, that was kind of my prediction. I thought it made sense not to ban anything right now. I thought Modern was a good spot. Yeah. I'm definitely in agreement with you. It would, it would have surprised me to see them ban something, but I definitely think there's an axe hanging over Lurus's head. It just has to be a matter of time, right? Yeah, I almost would have been a little upset if they banned something. I usually kind of okay with whatever decisions they make. and But this time around, you know, maybe because I was a little more invested in modern and I felt like the format was really in good space. Maybe maybe you ban Lurus and good things happen, you know, and it makes the format even better. But I feel like people are enjoying the, the, the format pretty diverse it's, it seems really healthy maybe the best format in magic right now so why yeah. why mess with it 
I definitely agree with that kind of, a, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But it just feels to me like it's a matter of time before Lewis gets banned. I was particularly, fingers crossed, with no bans because I just, I'd committed to building Grixis Shadow for this tournament I'm playing on Saturday. And so I like had my cards coming in the mail and then I realized there was a ban announcement. And I was like, oh God, really? <laughs> just spent like a hundred pounds to get the last thing they need for this deck. And they're just going to take away like the card that makes it entirely playable. <laughs> Is this really going to happen to me for the first time ever? I'm going to be one of those guys complaining about like, oh, they banned my deck. <laughs> and that just yeah. is going to be really embarrassing <laughs> to have to become that guy. Yeah. Who, who knows what the gameplay becomes if you ban Lurus, maybe even ban Yurion, then all of a sudden it's back to maybe a little too much of not very interactive deck like Tron, the, the weird yeah. combo decks. It's just a gigantic format at that point. More control, like a little control is nice, but when control is the best deck in the format, I, I'm not sure that's like necessarily a great thing. So, yeah, I, I'm certainly in agreement. I, I feel like it's got to be like all or nothing in a lot of respects. You kind of got to hit them all, or you know, I, you wouldn't want it to be like Obosh centric format and then they ban down, it becomes like the Karaga centric format, and, and then eventually, eventually, it's like Lutri Tribal or whatever. <laughs> You, you just go down the line, you know, you go down the, the list. Lurus at, some gone, point time, gone. at some point in time, the black red, the black green one has to become playable or something. Like, we're yeah. just all creatures, like, get the companion. It's like the, the old meme, you know, ban everything till X is playable, then ban X, you know, then, like, ban exactly. everything till Wild McCoddle is, is good, then ban Wild McCoddle. Yeah, we just, yeah, banning the sixth companion, then banning the, the seventh one, or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, Umogi, I think it's called, yeah. or... Umogi, yeah, that's right. Something like that. They're ten, they're ten companions, right? I think they had one for each color combo, right? Yeah, I'm just trying really? to think of the ones that I think know on non plays. Oh my gosh. There's that one that was, like, dominating Legacy for a while, the one that makes, like, activations two less. Oh, yeah. yeah that card cool. is banned, right? In Legacy? Oh, it's just banned? Oh, crap. I think so. And there was the the self mill one that was so a little bit of playing. Was it Pioneer? I think the deck was like semi decent in Pioneer, or was it Modern? What Gyruda? Yeah, I think that was really busted in Modern because they were like using Resto Angel and Spark Double and stuff to like flicker and copy it and just make so many copies and then whatever yeah. give creatures haste. And really I think it was cool. decent in Legacy too, right? Because you just mulled to double Lion's Eye Diamond or something. Definitely pre nerf those decks were really, really good because your the your one card combo was just hidden in the in the companion zone. Yeah. The minute you put a, a cost of three on top of it, you either slow the combo down or or you just wind up, you know, putting it in your hand and getting it discarded or whatever. So yeah, you can at least fight against it now. But there was definitely a time when Garuda was just sick in Legacy and sick in Modern. It was even good in Pioneer, I think. Yeah, I definitely think that every companion was insanely good when you cast it from the companion zone. But I, honestly, I think, you know, we've talked about this a lot. My opinion on it now is I think that they're not going to ban companions, and I feel like they're going to use it as a selling point for Modern Horizons 3. Meaning what? Ooh, like they're going to have new companions in Modern Horizons 3. Yeah, because I think that they works. don't want... I don't. They don't want the messiness of companions and standard and historic. I think, and then it's a selling point. Because I think at this point now, their plan with Modern Horizons just to always release a card that basically gets played in every deck that plays that color. So I feel like they're just going to release more companions. A bold prediction. I've uh, 
I've got I've got news for all of you, by the way. In seventeenth place of this modern challenge, there is another Oswald Fiddlebender deck. Oh my gosh. Was that from Modern Horizons? Where is this Oswald Fiddlebender? What set is it from? The D and D set. What? What's the D and D set? Dungeons and Dragons. The one. Wait, they released a set that's. Oh wait, is this the set that's only in Modern or something? No, it's a standard set. It was just. Oh, is it? It was just a a crossover of Magic and. Dude, I'm so disconnected. I feel like I just. I'm not even playing this game anymore. Lol. Well, has been a while. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I think that this card is pr- it. It see it make it. It makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, these decks are all really, really taking advantage of it, especially going up the chain, as well as with Saga. So I'm not surprised this card is doing really well. Yeah, yeah these, these decks are all motivated by Saga, I'm sure. Yeah, going good. I'm not the biggest fan of Doctor Thunder, Doctor Foundry Sword of the Meek in general. I feel like it's just kind of old too hard to get together and you get punished in so many games because you draw all these dead cards obviously when it works you got infinite combos urza but overall i feel like you can play better artifact decks and things need to come together nicely for these decks to work out i definitely agree that it's time as a kind of premier combo and magic is past or at least magic has left it behind I do like Gullet Engineer. I always felt like that card was pretty strong, pretty scary. So maybe maybe this version is a little more proactive and more synergies and things come together a bit a bit more nicely. But just needs a Ragaman and in it or something like that. Yeah. That'll get it over the top. <laughs> Should we talk a bit about Kamigawa spoilers? Yeah, yeah for sure. Right. So maybe I'll set it up then. Uh, given that none, neither of us were here last week, yeah. or neither Harry or I were here last week, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, next set coming out. I'm sure it's due in a couple of weeks, right? It's due, um, I think, tense on okay. basically next next week, next right. week online, and the week after on on in, in paper. Okay, really cool. Well, it's obviously a return to Kamigawa. Or maybe um, I'm a bit a bit a week off because Lifetown also has three weeks in paper. I believe it was 10 February 10th, 11 online and then 18th in paper for the pre-releases. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, sets sets out. Uh, it looks pretty cool to me from, from what I've seen in the spoilers so far. There's a whole bunch of mechanics returning. So we've got sagas are back. Uh, vehicles are back. Enchantments matters are back, you know, in conjunction with the sagas and also the kind of general aura theme from, um, original Kamigawa set. There's a lot of allusions to the old 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 bits of flavor and stuff from the from, from the original Kamigawa and Ninjutsu obviously is back. I think we highlighted a couple of cards in our, our chat that we thought were reasonable, but what format do you want to go through in terms of how you want to discuss these? I, you... I think it's just easier if you just pick a card and we talk right. about the card. It doesn't really matter if it's Okay. No worries. Well, in that case, I will start the conversation by talking about Mm, discover the impossible which was spoiled today so discover the impossible is an instant it costs blue and two colors uh, look at the top five cards of your library exile one of them face down and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order and you can cast the exile card without paying its mana cost if it's an instant with the converted mana cost two or less and if you don't you just put it in your hand hmm. so impulse slash like peer through depth style card 
give you a you know a mana discount if you find an instant. So like really good if you're like trying to jam looking for counter spell. Probably a little bit too narrow for for, for modern and pioneer applications, but I, I think you know it's hard to overlook the idea of you know just getting that mana discount because like if it, if it's essentially one blue look at the top five cards your library cast a spell, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, it looks. It was good to me. I had a, a split second where I was like, wait, can you just cascade spells? But no, it's just incense, not sorceries. Uh, that would have been just kind of nuts. But yeah, counterspell, you mentioned it. Um, path to Exile, Fire Ice. Can you cast Fire Ice off Discovered Impossible? Probably not, right? That's a question for someone with a higher judge level than me. Yeah. It may cast the exile card. Yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I feel like Impulse would probably be playable in Modern if it was legal or kind of close. Yeah, I do feel like even those like Anticipate spells are like... Anticipate feels like it's like just... it's Well, not just. It's like significantly below the power level that's required for it to, to be playable. But it's not so far below the power level required that it wouldn't make the cut if it was improved in one way or the other. So like if you shade the matter, it would obviously be really good. And if you added one more card to it, I think it'd be I think it'd be good. So yeah, I think impulse would be would be definitely be playable. And if this card replicates a one mana impulse often enough, it's pretty good, I think. One of my favorite yeah. bits is like the restriction is like not there. It's not like you have to find an instant or sorcery. You you it's look at the top four card, five cards, take one, but you just get another discount if it's if it's a spell. And that's yeah, that's that's really good, I think. Yeah. If you compare it to Archmage Charm, assuming you can cast both, it is like much worse because you already have the counter spell option on charm you have the steel mode and in blue white there's actually not that many instances in blue white right now especially if you can't cast fire ice people won't really play path to exile you play end in which is a sorcery so it's really just kind of counter spell right now and um maybe a bit too narrow with the standard as it, as it, as it currently oh, for, for modern sorry as it currently sits it's probably worth to, uh, mentioning to listeners that we're talking explicitly about modern and maybe you know discuss other other contextual contextual like relevance here but we just mainly focus on modern modern power level cards here yeah i think you know i see a few people in the twitch chat saying like oh maybe this will go in storm but i don't even see storm playing the land one anymore i don't know the name of the land but it's like Solendi vision Solendi vision yeah so and also i don't really see why storm would care about casting an instant for free because most of the time when you're casting these expensive, like, look at the top whatever or gifts ungiven, you're trying to untap and win. So it's like you don't really want to, like, I don't know what spell you want to cast for a value two or less for free instantly in Storm on, like, an end step. So I just don't, I don't see this being very good. And you have the arcane one, the better one, peer, peer through depths, maybe it is? Yeah, Peer Through Depths is the arcane one. I, I think if yeah. you were ever going to play a copy of Peer Through Depths, I'd probably choose to play this first. It does, it does do a pretty good job of costing one mana in that deck when you're in the middle of going off. Like, it's a, maybe the difference between kind of like Sarah Visions in trying to find a ritual or just finding your ritual and casting it. Because, you know, if you if you hit Rider Flame or something, not Rider Flame, but like a Pyretic Ritual or a Desperate Ritual off of this, it's basically a it's Dark Ritual yeah. at that point. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Maybe, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay. All right, all right. Well, why don't I just? I'll pick the next one as well, unless anyone's got something that they. No, you keep doing. leading. You keep leading. Right. Okay. I want to talk as a general kind of thing about cards that are called the march, marches of something or other. 
And there's only three of them spoiled so far, I think. But we'll start with talking about March of Wretched Sorrow. It's a black instant. It costs black and X. And it says an additional cost to cast a spell. You can exile any number of black cards from your hand. And it costs two colorless less for every card exiled this way. March of Wretched Sorrow deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker and you gain X life. So it's essentially a one mana. It's, it's like a, it's like almost a pitch spell, but it, sca it scales with like, you can just pour mana into it to scale it. And there's a whole cycle of these uh, in, in, the, in this set. I'm trying to find the other one quickly to kind of compare. Um, but the white one is uh, one white and X and destroy an artifact or enchantment with mana cost X, X or less. But do you think these cards, you know, obviously we've seen free spells be pretty powerful uh, in magic history. Think these sort of things have any any hope of seeing play? Mm, I don't love the base cost. The black and X has always felt a little too expensive. I think there was um, a similar card in, in standard recently. It was one that had two modes. I think it was either like a drain life on a creature. Battle of the Bridge. Battle of the bridge. No, no, no. The, the one... Oh, Airbus yeah. Intervention. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other mode is Exile Cards from the Yard. And that that cost just doesn't feel good as a removal spell, paying two mana to, to kill a one toughness creature, three mana to kill a two toughness creature. That's just too expensive. The cost to less, obviously, it makes it... Uh, makes it interesting, but it's still one mana to kill a, a one drop almost no matter what. And it doesn't, it's not like you pitch a gristle brand and you drain for eight or something. That'd be pretty cool. I guess maybe that will be a bit too good. So, you know, you a gristle, a gristle right. brands just makes your pitching a, an eight mana card just makes your card cost two less. Yeah, um, I'm not convinced because I feel like Already, if you're playing black and modern, if you're not playing like Death Shadow, you're probably leaning towards grief. I don't think you want like so many pitch cards in your deck, as well as like, I don't. If it was lose life, maybe I'd be more interested, but gaining life as well, that doesn't really mean much, I think. So I'm not a fan. It might be might be good enough against specifically burn, just because you sure. usually don't care too much about being down the card, especially if you have other, other ways to, to get some card advantage. So it right. could be could be nice there and on the card advantage on the card advantage argument, the red one is March of Reckless Joy and it's one red X instant, the same criteria, pitch pitch red cards to reduce your cost by two less. And it's XL top X cards of your library and you can pay play out two of those cards until the end of your next turn. So it's like you can either end this end set dump a lot of mana into it. And then just untap and cast two of the spells that you exiled, or you can use it to start going off in your turn by like discarding spells to keep chaining. That seems, that card seems actually quite powerful. You know, maybe even like you know Burgi or whatever the kind of uh, legend from Kaldheim that adds red mana and stuff. Maybe in a, a deck that features like that that card as well, I can imagine that being like kind of basis engine for a combo deck. Yeah, the fact that she's actually the, the the first mana, I didn't see it. I think. Felt like the white one was kind of okay. Yeah, so that's March of the Worldly Light, which is exile target. Oh, it's artifact creature or enchantment with mana value X or less for the white one. I thought it was just artifact or enchantment. Yeah, I think it kills Urza Saga, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, I think so. the white one is definitely one of the most powerful ones, but the red one is actually interesting me to me too, though, because it go it's you can play in like the Arbosh 
prowess deck and any yeah. ragavan deck you can pitch ragavan as well like your spare ragavans maybe it's okay you know i feel like during spoiler seasons i'm always undervaluing cards so i think i should try to have more we should try and have a more open mindset i guess but you're definitely the pessimist and i'm definitely the optimist in this and gab is the person who's actually has enough experience to say <laughs> Yeah, nah, I'm always way off. Well, a lot of time out. I'll be now that I've read the, read the white one more carefully, and now that I know it exiles creatures as well, I think that card's actually quite good. Yeah, no, maybe the red one, maybe the red one's decent. The, the Ragavan point, the, the Obush point. The... Yeah, okay, so, so I reckon these, these cards have some potential. I'm curious to see what happens with the green one and the uh, what's pushing missing the blue one. Let, let's you dig to a specific hate card, maybe. You know, you see they play yeah. a turn to your saga, you go dig for your Blood Moon or your Alpine Moon. I guess it works nicely with Seasoned Pyromancer, too. Just mm. you don't mind the card advantage, um, disadvantage as much. The, the cards are exiled, obviously. You don't just get to, to discard them to the graveyard. But yeah, maybe it was Deadland Reveler, too. Red has a way to recoup the cards. Yeah, I was just thinking it's like, it's like a pretty good, like non blue attrition, attrition red deck spell. Yeah. Speaking of digging through cards, what about Reality Heist, which uh, has seen a couple of people in chat have been asking about, and given that you've been playing a lot of Affinity lately and casting a lot of draw twos, this is kind of like a, a souped up draw two. So Reality Heist is a five blue blue instant, costs one less to cast for each artifact you control, so it has Affinity for artifacts, and it says look at the top seven cards of your library, you can reveal up to two artifact cards and put them into your hand, and the rest of the bottom in a random order. Ooh. Yeah, that card looks cool. I just thought of Thought Monitor when I saw the card, and I felt like it was just a worse Thought Monitor. You don't mm -hmm. get the 2-2 two -two flying. The other big downside is that that card can never cost a blue, a single blue. It'll always at least be two mana, which can be huge. You know, I was playing these artifact decks, and you have these turns where you go off playing monitors for one into monitors for one. was Urza 2. So I have kind of a hard time seeing it. But maybe I'm being a little too narrow-minded, and maybe there's decks that are going to want heist over over thought monitor, or maybe even both. Feels to me like it's got to be in the kind of conversation for thought casts and thought monitors nine through whatever. Yeah, I already feel like for thought monitor. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say the idea of casting this and revealing two thought monitors is kind of getting me a little bit excited. Yeah, I think it's maybe a little too expensive for modern. I'm going to say this card is good, and I think that it probably goes in like... I I think it goes in, but as like one copy, because I think that it's like not bad, right? It's it's just two mana, and you can essentially re rebuild. But I, I guess, no, it's not a rebuild, because you have to have five artifacts on the table, so... Uh, you have access to a lot of artifact lines in modern now, with all the coming up attack tools from... The whichever set it was from modern yeah. I'm, I'm actually. What about in these like Oswald Fiddlebender Urza style decks, which play a lot of kind of innocuous artifacts to the board, but really are digging for important combo pieces? Like rather than playing Word of Invention, the Tudor, and you just play this as an actual card advantage spell where work would be kind of clunky one for one. Yeah, I was going to say maybe in a deck like Thopter Foundry where you're digging to specific cards or. Maybe if you have a few one of in your deck, you're only seeing seven cards. Not like you're gonna always find it, but lets you lets you get that that kind of tutorish effect. Yeah, we mm. think two times a uh, a tried and tested look at the top seven for two mana. 
is it, that's a good card. Yeah. yeah. Anything that can anything that can compare like the, the Dig card has to be worth a second look. And I and I think even given the challenge results we looked at today, there's been enough success of playing to the board artifact decks that it probably needs to get tried out at the very least. Yeah, I yeah. think I think thinking about it, I think like there might be some sort of like blue white aggro-ish deck that's focusing on Frogmite and the seven, you know, the seven mana ones, and then you have like you have your um, thought monitors as well as just this like two mana get two four fours on the table. Like, I think I think it could be okay, and then you've got the new blue Springleaf drums, so you're getting even more mana too on the early turns. Faster Urza sagas maybe if you're having eight drums in the deck. Yeah, I think that's good points, actually. Maybe in these these versions, the ones that are really, you know, super finny-like, the ones that are trying to cast Frogmites and and Mirror Enforcer, I feel like Mirror Enforcer is not the most exciting payoff. The upside of Mirror Enforcer is that it can literally be free. That one will always have the two blue. But yeah, that's a good point. You maybe go crazy, play the, the eight drums with the new one, and to make up for the fact that your deck has a little more air, it also has more top-end. And heisting into thought monitor gets kind of sick in the mid game. I could I could see that maybe that, that that might be the best use for the card. Also, instant speed. You know, if you want to play rebuke, maybe even counter spell in a heavy blue version, mm -hmm. you get to keep mana up and you get to to do something if they don't play a spell. Yeah, I think it. I think that's the. I'm a, you know I feel like you have the best. Harry had the best approach to the card so far yeah, let's yeah, go yeah that's right uh, it's, so definitely interesting enough to give, give it a try what about the card that's just below it on the spoiler for us uh Hidetsugu consumes all which is a saga it's a uh, one colorless of black and red and so chapter one of the saga destroy all non-land permanents with mana value one or less Ooh. chapter two exile all graveyards chapter three exile saga and return to the battlefield transformed under your control and the other side of it is uh, Vessel of the All-Consuming, which is uh, an enchantment creature, and it has a trample. It's a 3-3 three, three with trample, and it says when it deals damage, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and when it deals damage, you'll play. If it's dealt 10 or more damage to that player this turn, they lose the game, which doesn't seem like it has much text in uh, competitive constructed format, so it may be interesting in EDH. But the front side is definitely a card that has modern level power level power and application, I think. Yeah, anti-hammer time card. Boom. Is there another deck that really gets striked by? I don't by... think Shadow really wants to play against it. It's a little clunky, but it's okay-ish. You do get the, the extra creature if you get full value. Probably is a lot of the black-red decks in Modern are Lurus decks, and you can't play Lurus if you're playing that card. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big knock against it. I know uh, I'm excited about that card in Historic because the the deck we played in the last set championship, red-black, kind of mid-range value with Season Powers and whatnot, Arcanist, really struggles against Black Green Food. It's a really good deck, but the matchup against Black Green Food is quite bad, and that card might be a great addition to the you know main deck sideboards. Yeah, great, great card against Catalan for sure. I don't know how to feel about this card. I feel like it's one of those cards like um, uh, 
that you just like want and maybe you'll be a cyborg card in a few months time but like gab was saying i was gonna say as well like Lurus just makes this card seem really like unplayable for me because the decks that want to cast it can't yeah the creature at the end is a pretty pretty big upside though like how many sweepers turn how many of your sweepers left graveyard hand cards turn into three threes at the end of it i think that's it's not to, not to be underestimated i don't think yeah i feel like these cards are hard to rate the whole timing of them and how valuable is that creature that you get at the end that has summon sickness it's it's tough it'll be interesting to see i feel like one of the better ones i've seen so far maybe the best ones is the the black one that gives your opponent rats and then you get a free you get your rats back you get a i'll I'll find it for you. It's directly next, actually directly next to the, the card we're talking about. It's called Tribute to Hirobi. Oh, it's a yeah. one black, one colorless saga. So the first two chapters of both each opponent creates a one, one black rat token. And then you flip it on the, on the third chapter. And the third chapter gives you a three, three flying haste. And it says when it enters the battlefield, you gain control of all rat tokens. So you get your, your rats back from your opponent. And then when it attacks, you can sacrifice another creature and draw a card. Yeah, I feel like that one's aggressively costed. You you give them the tokens, who cares? It's cheap enough that, okay, you're playing the second turn and not impacting the board or actually impacting the board negatively. But you get you get a flip on the fourth turn. Maybe you, you, have, you have had time to back it up with either a counter spell or a discard spell, make, make sure the, the way is clear. And that that effect seems... I mean, it seems like you can snowball so hard and they didn't yeah. find a way to to sag the rats. I don't know if there's a lot of decks that can uh, sacrifice the rats efficiently before you get them back. Besides yeah. a deck like the like maybe. I definitely like the idea of just having my 3-3 flying haste draw a card when it attacks come into play when I just untapped for free. Yeah. I can't, really ima- yes. I can't imagine a card like that being too powerful for modern. It's also an enchantment, so lots of enchantment hate right now. I'm assuming Exile this Saga, then return it to the battlefield, transform. So the casting cost would be two? It's I was thinking about explosives. It seems to two, yeah. So, I, I mean, I almost feel like this could be the, the new Smuggler Sculptor. That card looks All right. really powerful to me. Right. I didn't really kind of read it as that being that good, but you know, you've, you've, you've convinced me that it's worth trying out, that's for sure. You know, the, it's it's a may even if you don't have a creature. It's like free for haze. It kills fast. If you can get it back with Lurus. Nice. Give them more rats. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. What about what about these legendary lands with Channel? I feel like you probably talked about the green one last week with with Spider Space. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We could go over all of them. I think, I think going they've, over they've all of them. Yeah, I think they've all been spoiled by now. Right. Yeah, they have. They have all been spoiled by now. Okay. So, um, well, I'm I'm staring at one right now, so I'll read that, and that's going to be the basis for all of them. So this is the blue one. It's a uh, Ottawara, the Soaring City or Soaring City. It's a legendary land and has no no type, so it's not an island. It just comes into play untapped and taps for a blue, and it has channel uh, one blue three colors. Discard it. A return target artifact, creature, enchantment, or planeswalker to its owner's hand, and this ability costs one colorless less to activate for each legendary creature you control. So, 
for for magic historians out there will be unsurprised to learn that the card that actually became Snapcaster Mage. No, was it Snapcaster Mage or was it who, who submitted it? So one of the invitational cards that got printed was the person who won the invitational originally submitted a card that was an island, a legendary island with channel two blue, two colors, counter target spell. And that card was like laughably powerful at, at that period of time in magic to the point they just said, we can't print that at all. And so it became, they submitted some other card and it was either Snapcaster Mage or Rakdos Augur Mage that eventually got printed. But that's kind of the inspiration for this design, I feel, of these, these sets of lands. Like it's, it has no real drawback other than being legendary. It's just a free spell in your deck. Um, do you think these are kind of mandatory plays? They presume they're mandatory to play in standard and probably in alchemy as well or whatever, if that's a real format. But do you think you make space for this in your like blue control decks? I'm definitely scared of it. I mean, like, think of, like, the applications of all the blue decks right now. I mean, Merfolk will defo play this for free. Uh, any Thought Monitor deck is going to play this for free. I mean, Urza, any Urza deck, you know, there's a lot of just, like, oh, I've got a billion mana, I'll just bounce my thing, recast it for value. You've got cards in the format like Ren and Six. I, 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 think, I think that uh, a lot of decks will just be playing one of these. Gab, what do you think? think about the Ren and Sixes? Yeah, I can see most most decks maybe playing one, but honestly, you can. There's just not that many decks that can afford to play basic lands right now in modern or more basic lands than the, the strict minimum. And you know, Hammer Time is the one that comes to mind that can play a bunch of basics and and won't get screwed over by that card too much. But Blood Moon is a thing, and yeah, you just don't have room for for extra basic lands whenever you're trying to build your mana base in these Urza Saga deck. Titan decks don't have room for more basics. Tron decks don't have, you know, you have so many good good lands you can play and it almost feels like they're like half spell, half lands at this point. But doesn't so... it answer Blood Moon? For, like, bounces Blood Moon? <laughs> Only if you've got a blue source already. But sure. I... I agree with you like there's a lot of utility in lands like that the black one is uh so it costs uh, black and three colors still um and mil you mill three cards then return a creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand can you imagine just rebuying your and six over and over again like they just can never answer the and six you just eventually ultimates and kills them hmm. yeah i feel like maybe the red one's one of the better ones because it's not as bad against blood moon still taps for red and the effect is pretty cool. I think it's strong with Ren and Six just getting these the one it's like a win condition, right? Yeah, the so other the ones aren't aren't really win conditions. You're like yeah. they have like marginal-ish effects or yeah. okay-ish effect, but the red one just you make one ones right. instant speed, get it yeah. back, make more one ones, never have to tap out and Yeah, so it makes two one one spirit colorless spirit tokens and they have haste. Yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, that's that's actually really, really good with Ren and Six, and you can just bide your time, don't have to do anything really good i think that these lands seem to be pretty free to play but maybe i'm kind of looking at at it the same way i looked at the um the spell lands that were once printed you know when they were printed ages ago yeah, but they they came into play tapped this true is, true and they, these are uncounterable as well yeah i feel I, like they're just so good i i i i, I really like them 
Yeah. Also, for those of you who haven't seen the spoiler entire in its entirety, the green the green one so is Besaju who endures. It's uh, one green, one colorless, and it's destroy artifact enchantment on non-basic land that opponent controls, and then they get a they can search a land for a basic land and put it into play. And the white one is I think it costs four still, and it does four damage when attacking a blocking creature. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it costs three to cast. So it's like one white and two colorless, and it deals four damage to an attacking or blocking creature. Okay. Overall thoughts? What what are people saying? So so powerful that they have to get tried, I think. But where you find space in a format like modern is another story. That's my that's my verdict, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's trivial to 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 play them, and some of the effects feel a little underwhelming. Even in even in standard, honestly, when you play when you pour, play more than three colors, you've got so many uh, so many good options. You have the split cards now, the the double face cards. You've got demand lands, and you know if you're playing more more than one color, you need to play a lot of dual lands and whatnot, and playing lands that make you have a lot of good choices uh, for lands that only make one color and give you extra value. But yeah, I, I like them. I like them. I think they they seem like balanced, good. They they manage to not like break anything. I feel. Yeah. I definitely it's a it's a, it looks like a good and sensible piece of magic design. You can do something that's so on its surface level is just so unbelievably powerful and make them being like, okay, I don't not sure if I want to play these or not. Even though there is, you know, if you tweak the numbers in one way or another, you're like, holy shit, <laughs> this is just default i'll play three copies of this legendary land even though yeah, yeah. This is the thing that we're questioning the first i wonder if any of them are going to be so good that you think about the second yeah not sure but it, it is a card design that comes up a decent bit you know that sounds pretty exciting have a, a legendary land that taps for color and mana that comes into play on tap and also gives you a little, uh, little boost there's what there's like you know, the cycle, the Minamo cycle, and then I think Oboro yeah. maybe was, was its own uh, little... Uh, Standalone, yeah. But what, it, what, what are the other, the other ones that already exist besides the, so like the, the, the cycle of, of uh, you know, first strike, fear, prevent two damage, untap, and what's the green one do? The green one is plus one. It's just tap. Green, one green tap plus one plus one to a legendary creature. Akina. And then, and then you've got a Boro. That's it's kind of a Boro. Then there's, there's a couple of colorless ones. So there's Hall of the Bandit Lord. There's the one that taps for two mana for legendary permanence, and you lose two life. There's Besage. I was I was there's talking more of the ones that tap for colored mana that come into play on tap and tap for colored mana specifically. I think there's only four. There's one that comes up by tap. There's the one that's like, uh, it, it's it taps for black. And it deals one damage to you, and it turns into a. You have to like sacrifice all your lands and, and discard your hand, and it makes a five five flyer for four mana. Okay. I can't, I can't really do any, any else. I, I really like these cards as a, a kind of like thematic tribute to to Kamigawa in that respect, because Kamigawa did a lot of these kind of like legendary is the only drawback on these lands, essentially. Cycle of lands with effects. And also, this, they seem to be balanced so well. I'm really impressed. Yeah, it feels like they did a good job. We'll see. Maybe maybe I'll end up messing with, with yeah, things yeah. in modern, but I, I doubt yeah, it. That'll be Lurus part two or whatever. I mean, Ren's already so good in, in modern. Is it really going to, you know, make it... You already have cycling lands. You already have Urza Saga and fetch lands you can make, get back. 
we'll see. No, I mean, yeah. when they print they print Renin Six into Historic or whatever, direct into Historic or Alchemy or whatever, they'll, it'll break it wide open. Yeah. I had nothing else on my list that I really wanted to talk about. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a few that there's the legendary dragons or whatever. Some of them seem interesting to me. Um, the black yeah. one, the black one in particular, I think looks pretty good. It has like a has a, a full blown like reanimate death trigger, so like you, you, it dies and you get just bring back any any non dragon creature from your graveyard to play. Pretty powerful. Yeah, there's there's um. There's a card, it's called Spirit Sister Skull, and I know Enigmatic Incarnation is one of the best decks in Pioneer, right? And maybe that card maybe that card goes up uh goes up the curve. It's a five mana white black enchantment for white black free. It says at the beginning of your end step, choose target permanent card in your graveyard. You may sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with a chosen card. If you do return a chosen card from your graveyard to the battlefield and it gains, if this fern would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere. So you're trading your cheap enchantments for bigger enchantments. I guess you need to, to bend them, but in theory, you can bring back something really expensive by sacking something really cheap. So I, I don't know how that card fits, but it is, it is mythic, so I, I got baited mm -hmm. and... The fact that it triggers on end step is pretty good. Like if even just without having to play the enigmatic incarnation kind of toolbox package, you could just have a deck that tries to get an enchantment in the graveyard and plays this and end step brings it back. Yeah. It might be a little too much setup to to need to discard something expensive. It means you have to play expensive cards in your deck in the first place. It's it's maybe a not little modern probably not modern power level, but at the same time. Yeah, the fact that it's any permanent type is actually pretty cool, I think. It's not like it's a charm, it's only, you, know, you could set up the creatures, you could make artifacts or whatever, you could sacrifice a land and get a different land back for all, for all like a you know, cheap planeswalker recycling, bring back Nicol Bolas or Ugin. Yeah, I don't know, pretty cool card though. Yeah. There's also a card that's probably bad, I figure we'd mention it because it's Tinker, Tinker Lights. Oh yeah, yeah. Anchor reality, it's blue, blue, two, second artifact or a creature, sorcery speed, second artifact or a creature in the casting cost, and then you can get in your deck a card of equipment or vehicle, put it in play, and if it has mana value um, less than the mana value of the permanent sacrifice, you scry two. So I think Caldera Complete is the first one that came to mind. I'm not sure if you can get anything that has more value than that in a vacuum. Not 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 off the top of my head. Maybe like Sky Council, Sovereign's flagship, or whatever. The boat. Yeah. Yeah. The the boat. Color complete. I don't know. I, that card's probably just not not very good at all. It's pretty hard to look at Tink like a card that compares to Tinker though, and not give it a, give it a chance. Yeah, we we talked a bit about the the new drum. That's probably a war's drum, just because it's got color blue. But you know, Harry was talking about earlier. Maybe you just pop off was. Um, the new the new card draw spell for artifact and there was yeah sorry go ahead well I was going to say it's not really like it's it's drum but it taps for colorless but I think the difference is it's tap just an artifact right or something to make the mana yeah you can you don't have to tap a creature yeah. you can, I think it's artifact or creature you can tap as well as it has channel 
the owner of target non-land permanent puts it on the top or bottom. So it's kind of like Aether Gust for any non-land permanent. You know, I feel like this kind of, I feel like it's, it's a bit underrated because it, it's, it's a flexible drum. Like, I feel like when I play against Affinity and they top deck Springleaf drum, I'm kind of laughing at them. Whereas if they're top decking this, you know, they, they do have some use of it i think i think that this card is insanely underrated in my opinion as I well as like you get value out of like portable hole tap that for mana yeah i so, love that you can tap other drums yeah or that and your drums can fill other drums yep so i think and i'm you know, quite a big fan yeah i I think this card's growing on me every time i look at it and think about it more and more i guess that's about it i don't think anything else yeah. caught our eye no, that's that's all I've got, but I think that's that, that that's a pretty comprehensive look at what's been spoiled so far from yeah. modern perspective, I guess. I guess anyone listening, out. if you thought we missed something, give us a tweet or leave it in an iTunes review. Gotta gotta drop that in there. <laughs> but um donate a huge amount of money to Harry and leave that as the kind of transfer receipt. What? <laughs> well, okay. If there's no no spoilers left, I think Gab, you said you had a little of arena stuff you wanted to get into. Yeah, just one touch real quick on standard there was a pretty big standard ptq i believe it was won by white black it was kind of white black dominated the the tournament whether it was there was a bunch of different versions and all mid-range ish the, the version that actually won was a little more creature heavy i think it had luminaricus parents and thalias and it was also playing some of the i think the good white black cards but um yeah white black really strong for those of you who don't know, Standard got a bunch of bands, Divide by Zero Gone, and um, I forget now, Faceless Haven Gone, Divide by Zero Gone, and Layer Gone, I believe. Blue Red still did okay. Blue Red still seemed like a player was Hogreach Horror. Uh, you get to play, it's a little confusing now, but you get to play the real version, I think, in Standard, whereas in Alchemy, you get to play the Nerve version, so... Standard looks like uh, you know white black's kind of the deck to beat. Blue right, blue right's still in the mix. Maybe a few other decks that are playable. There's I've played a bit of historic new Teferi, new balanced Teferi. Time Railer four mana was five loyalty counter, and the passive's a little weaker. It's only like they can't play spells on your turn, so they can still play spells on Arcanist. They can still play spells at instant speed on their turn, and that's definitely been relevant. But that card has seemed actually like playable. It got nerfed, but not quite as badly nerfed as something like Omnath. I played a bit with it against against it. It didn't feel too too terrible. And Alchemy looks like Alchemy is a lot of Gruel Werewolves kind of the deck to beat. Black Red Midrange Gruel Werewolf. That's gonna be the two formats relevant to me in the next month's Alchemy and Historic because that's the formats of the next sets championship. So expect more of that from from my end uh, the next few weeks. But yeah, just forgot I mentioned it. Okay, the band's so... improved standard? Sorry? Do you think the band's improved standard? Doesn't look like standard's necessarily in a great place right now if it's all about black-white mid-range, but uh, we'll see, I guess. Yeah. And it's probably not not going to get played in high stakes for any anytime soon. But it's kind of always curious to see what happens as the format shakes out. I don't think black white mid range would have been playable when you can cast Aaron's Epiphany or Divide by Zero. That Divide yeah. by Zero was so good. 
Yeah, I'm not sure how relevant standard is to our listeners, but I think it is still like pretty popular just as a general format on Arena. Yeah, I certainly would default to playing it over Alchemy. I've got a hot yeah. take. I think standard is the pioneer of Arena. <laughs> Secretly great. Secretly great, great, but no one wants to play it. But um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> did we want a life on the line, or was there a life on the line? Uh, yeah, price is right. Life on the line. Let's so go. something interesting. Shouting out card market is they now pre-orders up for I think most of the Kamigawa set, all, almost all the spoilers. So I think if we're gonna do prices right, should be one of the new cards. Oh, we can already. There's already a price trend. There's eight page. I'm yeah. trying not to cheat and look at the prices, but I looked and there's eight pages of pre-order pre-orderable singles. Okay. So oh, that's, that's yeah. Why don't we do the white prismatic ending? Uh, sorry, like the white pitch one. Okay. So it's, would, it's a... Okay, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We'll do that one. What's it called? Uh, March of the Otherworldly Light. March of the Worldly Light. Okay. March of Otherworldly Light. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got it up now. Okay. I've got a price. It's a rare, so I'm not. Okay. I've got a price. You, you know head. the price of it now? Is that right? No, I just wanted to get it up on Mythic Spoiler just to double okay, check. Okay, I was going to say. But uh, I've got a price in my head. Uh, let me regular think rare? for a second. Yeah, it's a regular rare. But don't forget, it's pre-order, so... Yeah, that's all right. We're not, we're not forgetting. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, three, two, one, five. Seven Four. Oh, this is close. Okay, March of the Other World. I wonder how much price inflates when it's pre-order i mean it's got to be more in general right okay well, what was more. the what was the answers i guess four seven. five and seven okay so the price trend is 12 but everything seems to be at nine euros so i mean pat wins no matter what wow, <laughs> yeah cool. it's yeah. pre-ordering at around nine euros in the uk but I this highly is not recommend that price yeah, yeah. i mean I mean, to be fair, no the Fairy Time Raveler is quite expensive, thing. right? Is, are they Mythics? They're regular rares, right? Yeah. 12 euros, wow. To Fairy yeah. Time Raveler is about 20. So, I mean, if this card if this card sees, a, like, a lot of play, I mean, it could easily go up. But, yeah, I think that's very expensive. But if you want to pre-order them, go check out Card Market, sponsor of the podcast. Shout out to 12, them. 12, hour, 12 euro disenchant. I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but okay yeah life on the line for those new listening don't know what life on the line is theoretical tournament tomorrow when the event you live lose you die got to bring a deck list from every form we talked about today i guess it's just modern for us maybe gab can give his insight on arena formats but in modern i literally have no clue what i want to do um honestly i think i should take kate's hammer time deck because i think i have about 10 leagues of hammer time under my belt and uh, hopefully I can just not draw you guys and, and uh, live. What about you, Pat? Well, I'm I'm going to play Grixis Death Shadow because it's the deck that I'm playing this weekend in a tournament where there's reasonable stakes at the very least. So let's assume that my life is on the line this weekend and I'm playing Grixis Shadow and I'll let you know next week how it went. Oh yeah, you're going okay. to the Axion event, right? I am going to the Axion now event, Milton Keynes. So Maybe if anyone Pat, listening. If Pat's not back next week. I lost. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah <laughs> all right for me this week it's super easy four color blank yurion 
Like, just so, so good. No blinks. No blinks. Four color Yorion, mid range, whatever you want to call it. Good cards, no bad cards. Ooh. Yeah. So, okay. so uh, the next really good. Unless, you, unless for some reason, you know, it's your field is all Titan players and maybe another or two like tough matchups. Cool. Well, I guess to finish off the episode, as always, Gabor, can find you on the internet. Yeah, twitch.tv slash yellowhat, Twitter at Gavin Nassif. I'll be streaming the Modern Challenge on Sunday with Four Color Bling, probably not Saturday. I think I have friends over, but yeah. Cool. Um, I guess, I don't know when I'm going to be streaming or making a YouTube video. I keep telling myself, like, oh, I'm going to make a YouTube video, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I'm lazy. So just find me on iTunes waiting for you to leave a five-star review. What about you, Pat? you'll just be clicking refresh like over and over again uh, i'm gonna be snowed under with teaching for the next three weeks so you can find me in this room at hartford college <laughs> trying to learn various different parts of the undergraduate syllabus so that i can pretend i understand it all yeah. awesome well as always if you made it this far into the episode really appreciate you guys listening hope you guys have a good week and we'll catch you guys next week Bye. take care everyone <laughs>